It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues. Choose as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Hey, welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests and topics and important events. And uh, you can find me on the Americhicks uh, as fa- Facebook and Twitter as well. I offer a conservatarian perspective. Today we've got a really big show planned for you. Susan Kochevar will be in studio here shortly. She is an entrepreneur, uh, owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater, and we'll be talking about minimum wage. David Weinberger had written an excellent essay in The Federalist, Why a Higher Minimum Wage Comes Back to Bite Everyone Eventually. Uh, So it'll be an important conversation. David will be joining us in the third and fourth segment to talk about that. It's really important that we continue to make the case that people are free to make uh, agreements bet- between each other without government intervention. And that is one of the things with minimum wage. And those that purport minimum wage, forced minimum wage, actually uh, don't realize that it hurts the people that they think that they or they say that they are trying to help. And uh, it, it's important that they actually look at that and understand that because um, inst- I, I don't think they're really looking at results. They're just looking at kind of their virtue, sig- virtue signaling on what they're trying to have accomplished there. So we will be talking with David Weinberger in the third and fourth segment. Susan Kocher-Var will be in here shortly as well. Uh, we have a very exciting event on Monday, February 25th, 5 through, and through 8 p.m., uh, it is Vino and Veritas with Dr. Tom Cranawitter and his team at Speakeasy Ideas. I'm working with them to bring you Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth. We're going through the Federalist Papers. If you'd like more information about that, email me at kim at com. We are getting very close to sold out for our February Vino and Veritas as well, which we're thrilled about, but we're also sad about that. So if you are interested, email me at kim at com And Susan Kochevar with 88 Drive-In Theater is our February presenting sponsor, which we're very grateful for that. Uh, Next, email me if you have a story of someone striving for excellence, they're cheerful, doing a great job. Last night, I flew back from San Francisco, and as I walked up to the gate, uh, something was going on. And interestingly enough, there were two groups of people, and I realized that the gate attendants had organized folks, and they were playing Family Feud. And what was so interesting, these were people that didn't know each other. Were, they were huddling up, trying to get their answer. The, the gate attendants had put a big X uh, with tape on the carpet. And so whoever was going to answer the question ran over and, and uh, stomped on the X. And the interesting thing about it was is it saw no race, sex, gender, or anything. It was just a bunch of people coming together to uh, have a good time. And so... Hats off to the gate attendants at Southwest Airlines in San Francisco last night doing a great job. Okay, the joke for today. If you like it, it's my joke. If you don't like it, it's Steve's joke. Okay, so Steve, producer, here we go. You better do it right. 
I'm going to do my best, okay? okay? <laughs> now, Julie Andrews played the original Mary Poppins, and I loved that movie. Now, Steve, did you know that Julie Andrews will no longer be endorsing cheap lipstick? Really? No, it crumbles easily and makes her breath smell. She explains the super color fragile lipstick gives me halitosis. Bada boom. <laughs> okay, that wasn't too bad, do you think? Well, it caught my attention when I first saw it and, mm. and but the funny thing is, let's let's full transparency here. You didn't get it the first time. I didn't. I looked at it and I'm like, what? But now I think it's pretty funny. So that's your funnies for today. Let's jump in here tonight is President Trump and the State of the Union address. And uh, Steve, you've got a couple of sound bites of Trump this weekend on some of the shows. So let's go to the first one, please. I'm sorry. Susan's uh, hailing me downstairs. Uh So So many things going on. Here's the first one. Uh, this is, he sat down with Margaret Brennan, CBS, uh, and answered a couple different, uh, obviously, some questions. The first one, which is going to be coming up tonight in the State of the Union address, is the border wall. Are you prepared for an attempt to impeach? Oops, wrong one. Stand by. No worries. There have been plenty national emergencies called. And this really is an invasion of our country by human traffickers. We're going to have a strong border. And the only way you have a strong border is you need a physical barrier. You need a wall. And anybody that says you don't, they're just playing games. Well, I think he's kind of setting that up for tonight regarding the border wall. Certainly this is one of his signature uh, issues. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to get it done. But I think he will get it done. Uh, And um, he's absolutely right. Trump intuitively understands that for America to be sovereign, we need to make sure that we have strong borders. And it's not because we hate the people on the outside, but it's because we love the people on the inside. And many of the people that are coming here are coming from socialist countries. And when they come in illegally, they do not go through any of the classes. They do not understand what makes America unique and, and very special. And so then they bring their policies with them. And, of course, you see socialists who have now taken over the Democrat Party. And so these people now will vote for these socialists. And it ultimately will be the demise of our country if we don't get this under control. And Trump intuitively understands that. And so any of those that are fighting him on this border wall, you have to realize, do they really love this country? Or is it that they love the power that they can, can they that they can get when they um, are elected to office by these people that are coming across the border? Because we saw that in L.A. County and L.A. or L.A. City and County that there were more people registered to vote than lived there. So this is uh, you know if we're concerned about integrity of elections, this is something that we need to be really concerned about. So Trump intuitively gets this. It'll be interesting to see what he says tonight. Now, of course, there's all of this din about impeachment. Uh, So he was asked again on the Sunday show about impeachment. So, Steve, let's go with that one. Are you prepared for an attempt to impeach you? Uh, The only way they can win, because they can't win the election, is to bring out the artificial way of impeachment. And the problem is you can't impeach somebody for doing the best job of any president in the history of our country for the first two years. And people have seen and people have watched what we've done. It's Whether a it's tax call, cuts, though. no, it's, You're prepared yeah, it's for political. 
Well, and well, I find that was a typical Donald Trump answer. Yeah, it is. And uh, I find it interesting that the interviewer was going to attempt to uh, interrupt him as well. Uh, it seems that the respect for this president is, by his opposition, there is no respect. They talk about reaching across the aisle. They talk about having conversations. And when you really get down to it, they, uh, they don't talk about, uh, they don't show any respect whatsoever for, for him. And President Trump has done more for everyday hardworking Americans than any president that I can recall. In just two years, he's reduced rules and regulations. He's reduced taxes. He, and, and when he does this, it's not just for one group. It's across the spectrum. And so it sees no race. It sees no sex. It sees no gender. And so when you raise all these boats, uh, it's good for everyone, obviously. And again, I mentioned this, uh, I think, yesterday regarding I was talking to a millennial and he mentioned this word intersectionality. And basically, it has been a political strategy that the activist progressive lefts have have brought all these different groups that they say have been discriminated against to an intersection so that they can all come together and fight against, you know, this big, bad boogeyman out here that they see. Well, what we what we're finding is with this intersectionality that people are starting to realize Blacks are, are uh, at the lowest unemployment um, in probably in history. Hispanics, again, low, low unemployment. Women, low unemployment. And if, in fact, these policies that have allowed this to happen, where people can go after their hopes and dreams and that they can um, actually, uh, you know, not be dependent on government but have the dignity of work, if this is able to continue, then it is going to blow a hole in this whole idea of intersectionality. And uh, so this is why the, the progressive activist left that have taken over the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party is no longer the party of JFK. That is why they are going after Donald Trump in a big, big way. Now, Jason McBride, who we will be talking with in just a little bit, had texted me, I had not seen this, that a number of Democrats are going to boycott the State of the Union address tonight. And once again, they opine about coming together. They opine about uh, bipartisanship. They opine about, uh, you know, we need to, to work together. And in essence, they are doing everything they can to stop the, the really good policies that Donald Trump has put in place. Uh, and so it's going to be really interesting tonight to see who's sitting in their seats at the um, State of the Union address and who's not. So, Steve, there's all kinds of things we wanted to talk about. Maybe we'll get into a few of these with Susan Kochevar in the next segment. We'll be talking with David Weinberger and regarding his essay in The Federalist, uh, Why a Higher Minimum Wage Comes Back to Bite Everyone Eventually, in the third and fourth segment. Before we do that, though, uh, first of all, if you have, uh, we have a really great partnership with Hooters Restaurants. And uh, it's a really interesting story about free markets and freedom and capitalism. So if you're ever interested in hearing that story, just email me, Kim at AmeriChicks.com, and I'll share that with you. But Hooters Restaurants is your sports headquarters. Uh, The Super Bowl is over, and it's time to focus on the Nuggets and the Avs. And March Madness, which I love, is right around the corner. I'm a University of Kansas basketball fan, which is one of the best fans to be. And Hooters specials start at $10 for a draft and 10 boneless wings. 
And did you know that Hooters wings can fly? You can have them delivered right to your doorstep. So when the girls come over on Wednesday nights, sorry, sorry, Steve, it's just girls. I order Hooters new smoked wings. They're delish and only half the calories. And the girls love them. So order your Hooters wings to go or have them delivered right to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. So this is Kim Munson. We will be right back with Susan Kochafar. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks. I'm Kim Munson, and I dissect issues. Uh, News, politics, and opinion is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com, and sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And you can find me at the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. I offer a conservatarian perspective. Welcome, Susan Kochevar, entrepreneur and owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater. Thank you for being my guest uh, guest chick today. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. And you are one of the presenting sponsors, uh, 88 Drive-In Theater, of Vino and Veritas, this book club uh, or this book study that uh, we are doing, Swine and Truth, with Dr. Thomas Cranawitter regarding the Federalist Papers. And you jumped on that immediately. You thought this was something really important. Yeah, it is absolutely important. And I'm so glad that it's doing so well. Looking for more locations sounds great. But getting people to understand that the founders, you know, studied governments throughout history uh, and had to learn several languages so that they could, you know, see what was going on in all the different countries and then form our government and make the arguments for the constitution is so important there's so many things that people don't understand uh the electoral college is an example they don't understand how that protects the smallest minority the individual and when you start to study those federalist papers you can start to see why the constitution was laid out the way it was you know i have a good friend stacy petty and she always says she 
The Constitution is important because man is man and man will always be man. And by that, uh, it, she means that man's incentives to work and do things kind of always remain the same. And that that Constitution was designed to um, deal with those uh, incentives so that people could, you know, protect their property rights and and just look out for themselves. You know, Susan, it's an interesting point because the founders also realized that man basically has, you know, an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. And it's one of those things that we fight all the time. And so they realized that. And so they put the Constitution in place to protect us from the passions of the mob, passions Mm -hmm. of the the majority or the democracy, if you will. That's why we're a constitutional republic. But they also understood that, that man has capacity to do really good things. I find it so interesting. You know, the progressive left has always said that we will evolve into better and better and better men. When in essence, the last century, as we were progressing through this with socialism and communism, governments killed more people than ever, ever, ever before in the history of mankind. Um, And so I find that that is just really fascinating that, um, you know, that they would think that we were progressing towards that. And then to that point, I was looking at the headlines and apparently there's not going to be a host or hostess for the Oscars this year. And you know what? I think it's because they can't find anybody pure enough to do that. Steve, you have got your ears on. Steve, producer, do you have a, a comment? <laughs> I shouldn't do this. Susan, say that again, what you just said earlier. A man is man. and you know. Man is man and will always be man. So his incentives... Um, throughout time are the same. He will, you know, work for himself if it's in his best interest. And those motivations are are always the same. And the left thinks, the progressive thinks, they are going to, through behavior modification techniques, tweak things so that they can get people to behave the way they want to and be perfect. It's not possible. I think it goes hand in hand with the other thing, that people who don't understand history or don't know history are bound to repeat it. Both of those things go hand in Mm -hmm. hand. And the founders... They were aware of that. They most certainly were. Uh, were And going back to the Electoral College, there is such an assault on that right now, uh, particularly right here in Colorado with uh, legislation going through um, the state house regarding a um, national popular vote. And so in essence, it would try to neuter the Electoral College, which once again, you brought a great point up, Susan, is the, the smallest minority is the individual. And uh, before you got in here, I was talking, I'd been talking with a millennial about this whole idea of intersectionality. Mm -hmm. And this was something where the left has, has made people identify with a particular group, woman, black, gay, you know, LGTB, whatever that is. And so have people um, identify with those groups and they come to an intersection where then they bring them all together so that they can push forward their particular policies. And with what we're seeing with President Trump is amazing. Sometimes I can't believe the guy gets up every day and goes to work with the, with the assault that there is on him. But he continues to put, try to push uh, through policies that um, will just kind of blow a hole in this whole intersectionality argument. For example, a border wall that protects Americans protects all Americans, whether or not it's black, Hispanic, 
women, mm-hmm. LGDB, whatever that is. And so uh, this millennial that I was talking with said that he feels that uh, Trump is going to be really successful on this. So let's change gears just a little bit because we've got a jam-packed show. But you recently were featured in a, a piece in The Hill regarding women entrepreneurs. And then when you just got into the, uh, the studio today, you said some another very exciting thing had happened. So tell us about that. Yeah, yesterday I got a call from Dan Nordberg, and I don't know if anybody remembers him, but he was a Colorado State representative, I think, for House District 14 through at least through 2018. And when uh, the Trump administration got in. They tapped him on the shoulder, and he went to the Small Business Administration. He came across that article and called me to see if I would sit on some roundtables here in Colorado for small businesses and kind of be that voice. Because, you know, I kind of like to fight for us tiny, tiny I know little guys yeah. that don't really have a voice. So I'm super excited for that. And, you know, the real message I think there is, boy, advocate for your business and, and step forward. One person can really make a big difference. Don't don't ever think you can't. Okay, so do you know exactly what these roundtables are going to be yet? Or just, uh, I mean, this is pretty exciting. It's very exciting. I don't yet know. Um, I'm waiting for some more details, but it's, uh, I'm just, I'm thrilled. I've been doing a lot of work also for Job Creators Network. And they, again, give the tiny guy the voice. They were put together by um, Bernie Marcus, who owns Home Depot and Boy, what a feisty guy he is. He's great. He gets the plight of small business because what's good for big business is also good for small business. So um, he's put together Job Creators Network, and they pushed through the Trump tax cuts, which were so valuable for everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really proud to work with them. Well, that's that's really – so keep us apprised on that. And you, you are really a good – a great partner of the AmeriChicks with AD at Drive-In Theater. And I can't believe – that is right around the corner, you're going to be opening. So tell us a little bit about this great uh, little drive-in theater. I mean, it's been in the family for a while, right? Yeah, this season will be our 43rd season, and we're looking to open uh, around March 22nd. Don't hold me to that, but somewhere around there. Um, And I'm super excited for one of our biggest features, which will be uh, Shazam on April 5th. This movie, uh, it looks hilarious. It features a disabled kid who just has a wonderful sense of humor. It's just such a positive picture. I'm really looking forward to it. Okay. We have just a couple of minutes, so I have to ask you, because you're in the movie business, what do you think about this whole thing with the Oscars, that they can't seem to come up with a host or hostess that's pure enough to be uh, to actually host the Oscars? Uh, yeah, I think their um, intolerance is coming back to bite them. You can't find anyone who's perfect now. So we'll see how these uh, Oscars go without a host. Well, that's for sure. And one other quick thing, uh, Super Bowl was this weekend. And Christy Whaley had uh, texted me yesterday morning, and I, I had missed it. But that very controversial Gillette commercial was not included in the Super Bowl. And uh, I didn't catch all of the ads. However, I saw one for Oil of Olay, and I'm kind of like, well, that's kind of weird. Well, apparently that is what Procter & Gamble put in and instead of the Gillette ad. And they said that when they actually priced out the Gillette ad that it was too expensive to run. I'm like, that sounds like a pretty lame excuse to me, producer Steve. Well, that that thought hit me yesterday. Halfway through the day, it's like, oh my gosh, that toxic masculinity thing, it didn't run. But let's tie it all up at the loose ends in here. What not Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, he is the CEO of Gillette, right? 
Rob, I'm, my wire's crossed. Oh, really? Hold on here. Let's I do... I mean, I'd have to go back and double yeah, check. Yeah, you know, when we go to break, let's check that out. I will. That is... I hadn't even thought about that one, so oh I'll my. check that out. Okay, you check that out, and when we come back from break, we'll talk about that. Um, but before we do that, we've got Jason McBride on the, the line. Hey, Jason, what do you think about the Super Bowl? Well, I'll tell you, as far as that commercial, I'd rather look at Sarah Michelle Geller than a bunch of screaming idiots running around <laughs> that are clean-shaven. Well, that's for sure. So I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Some of the ads, you know, there were so many. I couldn't quite keep track of all of them, but I thought there were some really clever things. And then there was some virtue signaling on some of those. But one of the funniest ones Steve and I have both agreed was that Hyundai one where uh, I guess they're uh, under you know, attack because they were making fun basically of vegans and beetloaf. But, you know, Americans are funny. Come on, let's just have a sense of humor. Don't you think, Jason? You know, you're right. As soon as they said beetloaf in that commercial, I said, oh, boy, they're going to be <laughs> outraged tomorrow uh, or offense. You know, we should take those words out of the English language. I think outrage should be removed offended, and I would also vote for selfie to be taken out. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll let the Webster's Dictionary know that, okay, Jason? <laughs> uh, yeah, pass it on. <laughs> okay. So, hey, you have all these different indicators that just crack me up, like the Santa Claus and all these different indicators. So now you've got a Super Bowl indicator. And it said that if the NFC wins the Super Bowl, it's good for the market. If the AFC wins, it's bad. Is that true? Well, that's, that's an old one that goes back a while, and you know these eggheads, they got to come out and complicate even the simplest things like this one. So some of them say the Steelers, the Colts, and the Ravens are supposed to be counted as NFC because that's where they started out, even though all their Super Bowl wins came when they were AFC teams. <laughs> Well, I'm with you. Let's do it the simple way, using the conference the teams were in when they won. How about that? That sounds good. Well, then, during 52 years of Super Bowls, up till this latest one, uh, we've had 15 years where the market has been down during that time. Okay, so is it bad if the AFC wins? Well, it's interesting that 10 of the down years have come when the AFC won, and only five of the down years have come when the NFC won. So the market actually does seem to go down twice as often when the AFC wins. It does. I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to it. Uh, now, the percentage moves aren't much different. Uh, and the average AFC down year was about 11.5%. Uh, when the NFC down uh, won, the down years were about 10%. And, you know, they, the, the market goes up when they, they win, too. And the up years have averaged about 15%. So, uh, you know, I, I can't find a pattern to this. I, I'm trying to think, would there be any reason uh, that this would actually work other than coincidence. Maybe somebody smarter than me can figure it out. It's fun, but I just think it's a coincidence. Well, I'm not sure I'm going to make all my investment decisions based on who wins the Super Bowl, <laughs> Jason. But, hey, you know, another thing, and we talked about it last week, and it was really an ex excellent uh, information that you had brought forward regarding Social Security. And you guys have some Social Security workshops coming up, right? 
We do. We've got Klaus is coming up uh, the 7th, which is the day after tomorrow, by the way, and then also on Saturday. So the 7th and the 9th, Kim. Uh, the 7th is just Social Security. The 9th, uh, we're doing Social Security, and then right after that, a, a second class on taxes. So it's kind of like an extra bonus. Uh, we're serving Chick-fil-A at both events, <laughs> so you get some good food. Um, so, yeah, and, and of course, they're, they're no obligation. They're free. I know from uh, past experience that there's some good info in here, and people that have come say, uh, you know, I'm not tooting our own horn, but we've had a lot of people come and say, well, we've been to a lot of different Social Security workshops, and you guys' was by far the best. We learned way more at yours. So uh, I'm just repeating what I've heard. Well, I believe it. And, you know, knowledge is power, Jason. So it never hurts for people to go and, and learn from experts uh, on, you know, on these important topics such as Social Security and taxes. So I would highly recommend that people reach out to you. So for more information, it's chickspresidential.com. We have our own landing page with you, chickspresidential.com, and you can get everybody signed up. And I, like I say, knowledge is power, and the fact that you guys are doing these really good workshops on Social Security and taxes should be helpful to people. So, Jason, thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You bet, Kim. Have a good one. You betcha. And uh, Susan Kochevar, guest chick in studio with me here. We're going to go to break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking with David Weinberger. He had written an excellent piece in The Federalist regarding minimum wage, which that has been something that we have talked with you mm-hmm. before. I mean, it, you are have a business that you are helping these young people have their first job, mm-hmm. and it really hurts that whole thing. So I can't wait to talk to David about that, and I know that you're going to have a lot to jump in here with, Susan Kochevar. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com, and sign up for emails. I'll keep you apprised of all of the upcoming guest topics and important events. And you can find me at AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering a conservatarian perspective. It is great to have in studio with us our guest chick, Susan Kochevar. It's great having you here. Morning. Thank you. And producer Steve is running the boards. We have Dave and Weinberger on the line with us. He had written an excellent essay in The Federalist, Why a Higher Minimum Wage Comes Back to Bite Everyone Eventually. David, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. 
Thank you. It's great to be here. So, David, before we get into your particular piece, uh, we had to do a little bit of research. We were talking about the Super Bowl in the prior two segments. And Robert Kraft, who owns the Patriots, see, brought up the fact we were talking about the, 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 that toxic masculinity Gillette ad was not broadcast during the Super Bowl. And then Steve said, isn't uh, Robert Kraft, doesn't he have some um, connection with Gillette? So, Steve, what did you find out? He's not the direct, I can't find a direct linkage from him to Gillette in terms of being the CEO. Uh, He heads up the Kraft Group, which owns the Gillette Stadium, where the Patriots play. So there's the connection. But, you know, I got to think that there's a lot of behind-the-scenes things going on there. But uh, So that's not so much a retraction as it is a clarification. Thank you for that clarification. We always like to try to get it right here. So... Thank you. So, hey, David Weinberger, let's go ahead and jump right in here. Uh, your piece, Why a Higher Minimum Wage Comes Back to Bite Everyone Eventually. You know, there's been uh, just this movement to forced minimum wage. Susan Kochevar, who's in studio as, as our guest chick, uh, is an entrepreneur and a small business owner. She owns 88 Drive-In Theater. And so she certainly has been on this about how it actually hurts people. So let's go ahead and jump into this, though. Your piece, Why a Higher Minimum Wage Comes Back to Bite Everyone in, in, Eventually. What's the, what's the big view on your piece? Well, the big view is that we cannot ignore the basic laws of economics. And that is when you increase the price of something, demand goes down. And that holds true um, for the price of labor, which is what we're talking about with regard to the minimum wage. Okay, and so ultimately that hurts people that are trying to get a job. That's correct. Just think about it like this. If, if it is legislated that nobody can be hired at less than $10 per hour, but somebody is, is worth less than that, then it, it doesn't behoove an employer to go ahead and, and hire that person. And that's precisely why you see low-skilled workers and unemployment rates, particularly for young people, has been very high ever since minimum wage laws have been enacted. You know, that first job is so important. I remember my first job was at Daylight Donut and Chicken Inn. And even though they paid me a little bit of money, I actually probably should have paid them because I, I learned how to, to, to make change. I learned how to work with customers. And Susan Kochevar, that is one of the things that you do at 88 Drive-In Theater is give young people that first job so that they learn how the responsibility of showing up for work, you know, all these important things. And how has a, a forced minimum wage, what do you see coming down the pike for you as the employer? Well, especially here in Colorado, we have that amendment, a minimum wage amendment was added. So, you know, minimum wage is going up 90 cents every year. It went up 90 cents last year, 90 cents this year, and 90 cents next year. So what happens is I wind up looking for products that don't require as much labor, so I don't have to hire as much staff. I look for uh, more qualified staff, maybe less younger staff, maybe older people who've who've had some jobs. Uh, you look for... Anim- uh, uh, computers or animation, not animation, but automation, automation. Thank Mm -hmm. you to, you know, take up those jobs because those people don't call in sick. They don't need breaks, that sort of thing. That's what happens. You just, you wind up with fewer employees. It's interesting because I'm just back from the drive-in theaters convention in Florida. And that's all we heard from all the drive-in theater owners is listen, minimum wage is killing us all around the country. And I was sitting next to one of the, uh, 
vendors who's trying to sell software to everyone. And he says, but can't you, if you just pay them more, can't then they turn around and, you know, spend more money on other things? Well, isn't that how it works? I had to explain to him, no, minimum wage is an expense for an employer. If I pay the employees this much, then I can't buy your software. You know, it's, it's no different than running your own home and somebody says, well, now you have to pay your maid $50 an hour or your lawn boy $50 an hour. Well, then you don't have money for anything else. Good point. Okay. Hey, David, uh, comment on that, and then I want to go through your, your piece here. So, Well, yeah, two things that struck me. First of all, I, I, I totally agree with your guest that it, it does it increase unemployment, or at least it reduces access to employment for young people, and two-thirds of minimum wage studies show that. Um, but the other thing is that whether, whether or not it does increase employment in particular instances, the cost will be bared somewhere. And so employers have the opportunity, they can slash benefits, or they can even raise prices, which is also something labor economist James Shirk um, has documented. Uh, The other point I would raise is that if people, if advocates really believed that raising the minimum wage was good for the economy, that it would, as you said, put money in people's pockets to spend, why are we stopping at $10 an hour or $15 an hour? Why not raise it to $20, $30, $50 an hour and really juice the economy? So, David, what do you think is the underlying that's I mean, that's a great question. So what is the underlying movement then uh, regarding minimum wage? Because I think that it's been sold particularly to young people as compassionate to make sure that uh, that they get their fair share of that big, bad business person's income that, uh, you know, the the big profit center that the, the business is when in essence, Many businesses work on very, very small margins. But what do you think that whole underlying theory is then? Well, I think, I think there's uh, two thrusts behind the movement. One is the compassionate side, which says people ought to be earning a living wage. And there's also, I think, um, rather superficial economic analysis that suggests we were just talking about that by putting more money in people's pockets, you help the economy. <clears throat> Interesting. Okay. Let's uh let's go ahead and uh take off the first point or go after the first point in your piece here why a higher minimum wage comes back to bite everyone eventually that was in the Federalist. Uh you said workers competing against one another is a good thing. Explain. Yes, uh, of course it's good. It, it increases productivity and this is one thing that uh, is little known, but economists uh, Walter Williams and Thomas Sowell have documented at length in, in various books they've written. But um, what black workers used to do to outcompete white workers, um, this was back in the era of Jim Crow, 1920s, 1930s, is they would offer to work for less than their white counterparts. And of course, their white counterparts didn't like this because th- they didn't want to take a, a pay cut. So what they did, they realized, is that if they got together and they forced, through political maneuvers, governments to stipulate a minimum wage, it would price these, these, their black counterparts out of work, and they wouldn't have to face that competition. Wow, that sounds a little racist to me, <laughs> to be doing that. You know, and you mentioned productivity. Uh, I've seen a, a kind of a movement to socialism, if you will, in the education system, 
where instead of people, you know, on their individual merit, we see these group projects, which as I've really thought about it is teaching our kids socialism at a young age. And what happens is, is there's some folks that are not as productive as others. They're not doing their best. Then you've got the, the overachievers there that want to make sure that they get a great grade. And then they all share the grade. And what I'm seeing is people are scratching, you know, they're kind of scratching their head going, wait a minute, this doesn't really work so well. But it seems like that's been something that we've been teaching our kids in school. Mm-hmm. Well, it certainly does them no favors. Um, they're not learning the basic skill set they need to succeed in life. Right. Okay. Hey, you know what, David Weinberger, we're going to go to break. We want to go through these other points in your excellent piece here, why a higher minimum wage comes back to bite everyone eventually. Uh, And so we have Susan Kochevar in studio with us as our guest chick. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks, and we will be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks. I'm Kim Munson, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. We've got to have these conversations. Check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails, and I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guest topics and important events. And you can find me at Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. I offer a conservatarian perspective. We have in studio with us Susan Kochevar as our guest chick, and on the line with us, David Weinberger, who had written a very, very good piece for the Federalist, why a higher minimum wage comes back to bite everyone eventually. David, before we get to the next points in your particular essay, Susan had a couple of comments. So, Susan, your thoughts? Yeah, I really uh, was thinking about this during the break when you were talking about minimum wage coming back to bite everyone. The other effect that it has is with all these forced increases in wages, it make I, I have to give my current employees who have demonstrated the, you know their ability to do work well and show up on time and all this stuff they've learned all these all, have all this experience um, I have to I can't give these these folks that have been with me a long time as much of a raise because I have to give the new people a raise or you know hire them for more so it has an effect of leveling wages and that's another really bad thing. Uh, the other uh, effect that minimum wage has is kind of like a buoy in the water. You know, David mentioned you wind up raising your prices. So you, you pay people more, you raise your prices. It's just up and down. Yeah, it certainly is an effect that uh, goes throughout the economy. So, David, any comments on that before we get into your next piece, the free market is anti-discrimination? Yeah, I haven't looked into that piece of it too deeply. I know that there are some studies that suggest that uh, people, not necessarily on the lowest rungs of employment who earn the minimum wage, but just a step above those people, they are impacted um, negatively by the minimum wage. Well, and one other thing before we jump into the free market is anti-discrimination is 
that uh, as you uh, have to increase this minimum wage, your cost, Susan, as an employer goes up significantly because you have to match Social Security, you have to contribute to Medicare, don't you? That's right, yeah. You're not just talking, when they start talking about $12 minimum wage, you're not just talking about a $12 uh, raise in prices, in, in cost for the employer. I have to match Social Security and Medicare, and the other. there's some other taxes that are a percentage of payroll, so... Yeah, and so it so your costs are actually more than just that ninety cents right here in Colorado. Yes. So, okay, David, the, you you make the case that the free market is anti discrimination. Now there are many, probably uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, would uh, disagree with you. So explain the free market is anti discrimination. Sure. So <clears throat> consider in a free market, uh, assuming there's no minimum wage. That there are uh, there's a black in, uh, worker and a white worker, and they're competing for a job. Um, what, what used to happen is that the black worker could offer to work for say five dollars an hour, whereas the white counterpart w- wanted to keep his wage at seven dollars an hour. So if you had an employer who was racist and he wanted to choose that white worker, well, he was going to have to pay a two dollar penalty by paying that worker seven dollars an hour versus the other option which is hiring the black worker at $5 an hour. So there's a built-in penalty um, in the free market for indulging racism. Well, and to that point, not only racism, but we're seeing, you know, regarding women workers uh, trying to have an equal pay legislation on that. It seems to me like that would be the same thing as well. So if, in fact, an employer could hire a woman at a much lower rate, most good business people would do that, right? And so, um, and the other thing where, just a little bit about that is I think that ultimately, Susan, this is going to hurt women because um, many women would prefer to have some flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so they give up some, some of uh, pay regarding flexibility. And so once again, when you get government involved in this whole thing, saying that they have to be paid a certain amount, uh, you may have uh, employers that may shy away from that because they realize that the woman wants more flexibility uh, so that she may be able to be with her children if she has a sick child or whatever. And shouldn't women be able to make that decision versus government coming in and making that decision? Well, exactly. Minimum wage laws and employment regulation in general interfere with the ability of the employer and the employee to negotiate whatever works best for the two of them. So all of this stuff really hurts employees. I like to always cite the example of, um, you know, forcing uh, people to only work 40 hours a week, and after that they're paid time and a half. Uh, That really hurts people to negotiate for themselves. Um, So I might take a job for 40 hours, and then I have to go take another job, buy different clothes for that job, drive to that job, and maybe make minimum wage at that job just to make a little extra money where if my employer could just pay me straight wage for 45 hours, maybe I don't have all that expense and have to waste all that time. It really does wind up hurting people. Right. So I think we're making the case that government really should be out of this whole thing. Uh, Last point in your particular piece, uh, David Weinberger at the Federalist of uh, why higher minimum wage comes back to bite everyone eventually and that is the indirect consequences of minimum wage policy. I think that we've been dancing around that just a little bit. But, uh, David, go ahead, your comments. 
Well, the, the most indirect consequence is that it reduces access to people who don't already have jobs, especially for low-skilled low workers. So um, this is a, what, what Henry Hazlitt, um, an economist, used to write about is the effects of policies both seen and unseen. Now, what happens when you raise the minimum wage is for the lucky few who end up keeping their jobs, they are trumpeted in the news and you hear about them. But the people who you, whom you don't hear about are the folks who don't have access to these jobs because they're simply priced out of the labor force. Well, and David, there's such dignity in work. And pricing people out of the labor force, I think, is really uncompassionate because, again, there's such dignity in work. We, we're concerned you know, about all of these social um, challenges that we have, homelessness, affordable housing, although I make the case that there is now an affordable housing industrial complex, a homelessness industrial complex, because there's bureaucrats and politicians that are making a ton of money as the money goes by where, where they say they're trying to help these problems. But, but teaching people to work and allowing them to be able to work, allowing them, Susan, as you said, to be able to negotiate a value between the two where the worker says, I will work for this amount. The employer says, I will pay you this amount. If they're not the same, they've got to come to some kind of an agreement. And I think that there's been those on the progressive activist left that have said, well, people are too dumb to actually be able to negotiate for themselves. That's why we have to have unions. That's why we have to have a forced minimum wage. And I think that that is so elitist to think people are too dumb to actually be able to negotiate themselves the value for value, David Weinberger. Yes, and if they want to actively uh, state that point, good luck in convincing people that they're correct. I mean, I have never heard a convincing response to this question, which is if somebody wants to work for $7 per hour and there's an employer who wants to hire that person, why should that be illegal? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. So what are you in the slammer for? Well, I, I actually paid somebody the amount that they asked. Yeah, right? I mean, it's crazy to me, Susan. Well, this is what really concerns me about our new governor, Jared Polis. He was, uh, before the election, I think it was actually in the primary, standing before SEIU workers saying that he wanted to put teeth in employment law, which means he wants to criminalize it and put people in jail. That's frightening. Right. David, David, where are you located? I'm in balmy Minnesota. It's five degrees. Oh, how's that polar vortex been working out for you out there, David? <laughs> Global oh, warming, my huh? Gosh. The worst <laughs> of it, yeah, that's right. The worst of it's behind us, thankfully. Well, that, that's for sure. Yeah, what Susan just mentioned, you know, Colorado, it is amazing. We used to be this, this state of kind of that rugged individual Western spirit. And man, this last election, it's been just wild. We ha- now have a Democrat uh, governor. House and Senate. And it's not just Democrat. You know, it it is now far left progressive activists. And what Susan just alluded to is Governor Polis, um, as he was running for office, was at a conference with the SEIU employees. And he said he wanted to put teeth into actually criminalizing employment law. And that is really, really scary, David Weinberger. Yep, uh, and you're seeing a very far lurch to the left through Ocasio-Cortez and our, our own here in Minnesota, Ilhan Omar, um, and some others. And it's a lot of this younger generation, which 
I, I think the tragedy, this goes beyond our topic here, but I think uh, people are just not learning the value, American values, and, and not studying American history. And I think that is exactly what we're seeing manifest um, in these younger people who are, who are in office now. So, David Weinberger, can we turn this around? Mm-hmm. I think we can. Um, I, and I, I never like to be a, a pessimist. I'm always an optimist. Um, and just through my own study of history, um, you know, after, right before the Civil War, we elected Lincoln. Um, you know, 1980s was Morning in America under Ronald Reagan. I certainly think we can get the right leadership in place and turn this thing around. Okay. I hope so. I have to compliment you, too, on your article when you talked about, you quoted Henry Hazlitt, and you said the bad economist sees only uh, immediately what strikes the eye, and I think that is such a big problem in general in the way people view uh, businesses. They don't um, look beyond, you know, they don't see what's lost when all these laws and regulations and stuff are implemented. And getting people to understand that is really hard. And I think that's really a key point in your article. Thank you. Now, hey, David, if people want more to read more of your pieces, where's the best place that they can find them? Um, At The Federalist. Uh, So if they go to The Federalist, they can type in my name, David Weinberger, and um, there's uh, my pieces shall be archived there. Yes, most definitely. So thank you so much. It's great to have you as a guest on the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Well, thank you again for having me. Okay, great. So, yeah, David Weinberger in balmy Minnesota. (sighs) Hey, Susan Kochevar, it is a treat to have you in studio with us. You are such a... A good partner of the AmeriChicks. Um, thank you. And you're the presenting spo- sponsor for the February Vino and Veritas Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. And the success of this is just astounding, which as David, we were talking with David, this gives me great hope and heart that people are interested in coming together and learning about this. We have given up uh I think almost in a way a, a generation in the education system. We're We're reaping... What we have sown when we see Ocasio-Cortez and, uh, you know, some of these other young socialists that have been elected to office. But I'm optimistic, too. The veil is off. And we know what we're fighting about. They seem to be looking for answers, don't they? I'm so excited that it's sold out. Yeah, me too. So, okay, uh, final thoughts, Susan Kochevar. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, I, talking about all these issues is so important to get people to understand how business works, how employment works, and how that's really the engine of our economy and, and represents the hopes and dreams of the individual, the American dream. Uh-huh. So I super appreciate you inviting me down. Well, absolutely. And keep us apprised of this whole roundtable thing for small businesses. I will. You know, I think it's brilliant that they asked you. That's just really, really terrific. So thought for today, FA. Hayek said, there is a difference in the world between treating people equally and attempting to make them equal. Mm-hmm. Aha. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. Uh, have a great day. God bless you. And God bless America. Through the mountains climbing, twisting, turning further from my home. Young, like a new moon rising, fierce. Through the rain and lightning, wandering out into this great unknown.
Potato!